0: Who may not know me my name is scott stevens i'm the counseling pastor here at west end baptist i want to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us today we're so pleased to have you here those songs were so perfect for what we're going to be hearing today the messages that we have through the scriptures the love of christ is absolutely amazing and the love of christ that he gives to us and that we can extend to other people is something that we really need to consider in our day-to-day lives. We're going to look at a scripture reference here today. This extends uh, our lessons that we've had in Romans. This is Romans 13, 8 through 14. And I'll read that to you real quickly. Join with me. Owe no one anything except to love each other, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we have when when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or in drunkenness or sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Join me in prayer. Lord God, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to gather together and hear your word. And, Father, I pray that that we put the cares of the day behind us, all of the thoughts of the world, and that we could focus for this while on your word and what you would have us to learn. Father, I pray for myself. I pray that you give me wisdom and discernment, give me clarity of speech and mind, and help me to share your word in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Father, we love you, and we love other people, but we could learn to love you more and we could learn to love other people more. So, Father, through the help of your Holy Spirit and through your word, I pray that this is a result of the words that we hear today. Thank you so much for the mercy and the sacrifice that you've made for us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Now, over the past couple of weeks, Pastor Marty has taught us about having a submissive and respectful attitude toward those who have been placed in authority over us. One of the things that Marty emphasized in his sermon is that this world is not our home. Even though we live in this world, we are not of this world. We studied this topic in Romans, but in 1 Peter, Peter addresses it again, and I want to read what he says here. Once... You were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Now, in this epistle that Peter wrote, was to, this? this was to believers. This was... Those believers who were in exile because of the suffering and the persecution that they were experiencing at that time. These were followers of Christ who suffered uh, just unreasonable, uh, immeasurable things uh, during their life. We know that Peter is addressing here fellow believers because he calls those that he's writing to dear friends or beloved. But notice this, when he calls these fellow believers sojourners and exiles too. Now it's important for us to understand that a sojourner is a traveler. And an exile, a person who is an exile is one who lives away from their native country. why does he address fellow believers as sojourners and exiles? Well, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, we became residents of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. So we as people who are of another kingdom are sojourners and exiles in this world. And as a part of his kingdom, as a part of his people, his church. We are to live in this world, but we're not to be of this world. Now, that can be a little bit hard to understand. Sometimes that doesn't make sense. We are here to impact the world for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ but we're against the sinfulness of this world. We are representatives of God's kingdom in this world, in everything that we do. And one of the main points that we need to remember from Marty's sermon is representatives of God's kingdom. It's here that we live to please our king. And our king is Jesus Christ. We live for him in everything that we do. So we please our king by keeping our conduct honorable so that the world sees our good deeds. And I believe that's the first point on our, our lesson today that we need to remember. When others see and experience our good deeds, we glorify God in everything all of our interactions in, uh, with other people should point them to Jesus Christ. And we need to remember this. Everything that we do should point to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we live and interact in this world, we are to avoid being ensnared by the world's sinfulness, which we know is so prevalent. Our task is to flee from the world It's corruption, but at the same time, we are to engage with the world with grace, with kindness, with generosity, and with charity. Those of us who are part of the kingdom of God and his appointed as his appointed instruments, we're to show others that they can have access to this kingdom too. Our responsibility is to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone that we're encountered. And we do this as people that are journe- journeying, journeying through, as sojourners, as exiles in a foreign land. We have to remember that we're not a part of this kingdom. So we're to engage this world with grace, with kindness, with generosity, with charity. But that can be a difficult task. It's hard to do on a day-to-day basis. And I believe that this is one of the reasons why Jesus teaches us that love is the greatest of all the commandments. In Matthew, he tells us the greatest commandment is to love God with all our being. And that's with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. But then he adds a second commandment. He says we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Sometimes we think of our neighbors as that person who's living in the next house or the, the people that are maybe a, a block over But our neighbors are those people that are closest to us. In many cases, it's our spouse, it's our children, it's our family here in the church. We have that responsibility to love them as we love ourselves. You know, when we think about loving ourselves, there's a common misunderstanding that people have. And it's that we have to love ourselves before we can love other people. That's the wrong way of thinking. The Lord knows our hearts because he created us. He knows who we are. And he knows that we inherently love ourselves way too much. We already do this. See, what he's saying here is that we love others in a way that we already love ourselves. Which, if we're honest about it, it's pretty significant. We think about ourselves first before we consider the desires of other people. Not that we want to, but it's just inherent in us to think about our own best interests. And what God is telling us here is you've got to have a new way of thinking. You've got to put off that old way of thinking that he talks about in Ephesians and put on that new way of thinking, which is of me. And that thinking of me places other people first. So he's telling us that in order to show love to others we're to stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on other people. And if we truly love God as we're supposed to, we will live in this world showing love to other people. We are to be seeking whatever is in their best interests. And again, this is hard, but it's what God is telling us to do in the scriptures. And Again, I'm repeating this point again and again, but it's important for us to understand we should be pointing to our king in every interaction that we have with others, believers and unbelievers alike. And the way that we do this is with love. It's hard to love others, though. Yeah, we, we love our family most of the time, right? We love... Our pets we love our friends but sometimes it's hard to love other people who we don't necessarily agree with those people that we don't necessarily get along with even here in the church sometimes we don't agree with everybody it's hard to love some folks I guess the question is do we really know how to show people particularly here in the church, but then also in the world, that we love them? Do we really know how to show them the love that they need to have to see that we're concerned for their eternal life? So today we're going to be talking about fulfilling the law by loving one another. Now, scriptures share, share some truths about love that we need to remember as we begin. We know from Paul's letter to the Galatians that a fruit of the Spirit is love. You can find that in, in Galatians 5.23. But we also know that the it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to be able to love to the extent that we should. Now, Understand this, the, if, as a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of that fruit that the Holy Spirit gives us, love. If he gives us the ability to be able to love, then it's truly love between those of us who are in the church. We have the ability to show true love Because it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's one that we're able to to exhibit in most cases. As the Holy Spirit lives within us, He is enabling us to love other people the way that we should. 1 Peter 1 and 2 tells us, "...to God's elect, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father," Through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, so it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to become sanctified, to become more like Jesus Christ, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. So the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is to help us to become more like Jesus Christ in this world. He gives us the ability and the desire to follow God's commands in what we're doing, everything that we're doing. And this includes the command to love other people. But learning to love other people is not something that we can learn overnight. As a matter of fact, sometimes it might take a lifetime to learn how to truly love others. But we know that as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, that that love is a gift from God And that we know that we will grow in love as we become closer to becoming more like Jesus Christ. So, in order to get some context for today's lesson, I want to read a a text that we've studied a few weeks ago. So, join me as we read Romans 12, 9-21. And in this passage, Paul is explaining to the church at Rome the traits of becoming a true Christian. You will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now just take a minute to let that sink in. I think, wow. I look at these verses and I think about how I fall short in meeting these requirements. In this passage... Paul explains how we as members of his kingdom living in this world can live honorably with those who are of this world. He gives us that guideline right there. But again, thank God we have the Holy Spirit that's living within us, that's enabling us to do these things that he commands. But remember, we are travelers living in this world, and we are not of this world. We, are li- we live here to glorify God and represent our king in every interaction that we have with other people. So let's look again at our scripture verses for today. Join me as I read verses 8 through 10. Owe oh, no one anything except love for each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. That's something I want you to remember. He has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So when Marty spoke a few weeks ago about our responsibility in this world to the ruling authorities, he made it clear that Scripture commands us to pay our debts, pay all of the debts that we have to other people. We are, as Christians, to pay our debts in full to everyone. But it's interesting in this letter that after Paul discusses how we're to fulfill our obligations to those who rule over us, he returns to the theme of love that we read in chapter 12. Look how he ties the top to topics together in 13, six, In verse 13.6. He speaks of paying taxes and paying those people that we owe. And then in verse 8, he said, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Now, I'm reading from the English Standard Version with that verse, but the New International Version has the translation, let no debt remain outstanding. I think that clears it up just a little bit. So one commentator that I read writes that after Paul admonishes the Christian not to allow himself or herself to be indebted, then he reduces a new I- or introduces a new idea that says the only debt that can't be ever paid or cannot be ever paid is love he says the only debt that cannot be paid is to love one another sacrificially that's odd he explains that we love one another When we love one another, we're to give of ourselves so thoroughly that we remain indebted to one another. Can you imagine that kind of love, particularly from your spouse, but for one another here in the church? It's a perspective, I think, that love is so deep for one another that we are constantly trying to out do one another in loving each other. We are indebted to the, to, by the love of that person or the, by the love that that person shows us that the re- resulting feeling is one of indebtedness. So let me give you an example. One person in my life who loves me sacrificially is my wife Loretta. I can't list all of the things that she does to show me and the boys how much she loves us she doesn't do it part of the time she does it all of the time she doesn't do it when she just feels like doing it she does it when she doesn't feel like doing it and I am truly appreciative of what she does I think God in his whole uh, God uh, through his Holy Spirit allows me the ability to be able to know what she's doing. He helps me to recognize that love and then helps me to know that I want to do the same thing for her, that I want to love her just as much. He helps me see that indebtedness that I have to her for what she's doing for us. So to the best of my ability, I want to repay her love with my love. And see, I think that recognition is something that we receive from the Holy Spirit. As he's showing us what true love is, he shows us that love that's around us. You know here in the church you can feel the love of each other, the brothers and sisters who are here. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we remain in fellowship with one another, that we come as much as we can to these circumstances where we're all together. Game night or small groups or GPS, all of these things help us to feel the love that one another has to show. But I am so appreciative of Loretta's love that she shows me on a day-to-day basis. I want to show her that love too. John 15, 13 states that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. I would sacrifice everything for Loretta. I'm hoping that I would sacrifice anything and everything for you. I'm praying that we can get to that point. According to Paul, though, this type of love should not be just for the ones closest to me, though. As I said, I want to get to where I would sacrifice that kind of love, even to the point of death, for anyone. I need to show selfless love to everyone that I possibly can, and that's believers and unbelievers alike. And Scripture makes this clear. Matthew 544 tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Our act of love our sacrificial love needs to be for all but this particular passage that Paul has here in Romans is speaking to the people of the church and it's important for people of the church to understand the points that he's making Paul in this letter places special emphasis on the need for us to love one another here in this congregation and this is such an important topic that he's given a similar uh, exaltation to the church in Galatia. In Galatians 6.10, he writes, Do good to all people, especially to those who are in the church. So if we look back at verse 8, when Paul emphasizes each other and one another, he's talking about fellow believers. He's talking about us here in the church, members of the church, members of the kingdom here in this world. And here's something that's that's odd. Notice that he says that this type of love in Christian fellowship fulfills the law. But then he goes and he talks about the law of you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. He lists that love Fulfills all of that, so we we know from Sunday school, from our own readings, from our studying of the Scriptures, that the Ten Commandments are a summary of the laws that God gave to the nation of Israel. And the first four of the Ten Commandments explain our responsibilities as we have a relationship with God, but then the next six of the Ten Commandments explain our responsibilities as we have relationships with other people. So the Ten Commandments explain the essentials of the law. It helps us to summarize all of the 600-plus laws that God gave to the people of Israel before. But notice in verse 9 and 10, Paul goes on to explain that when we obey the command to love our neighbor as ourselves, we're fulfilling the law. Paul explains that the person who shows true love will do what is good for his neighbor. True love will not allow any activity that will harm his neighbor. And we're to seek only that good for others. We're to refuse to do anything that will manipulate or hurt others. And a good way to explain this is that as believers here, particularly here in the church, since Paul is addressing those here in the church, we are to adore one another. We are to be devoted to one another as members of the same body of Christ. And by doing this, we're acknowledging the purpose for the law. And we're bringing the law into completion So this verse can be confusing. It's it's something that I've had to really think through. And as I read Scripture and understand that Jesus came to fulfill the law, Matthew explains in verse 517 that Jesus came not to abolish the law but to fulfill the law. So we're looking at Jesus who came to fulfill the law, and yet we're told that by loving others, we fulfill the law. That's where it's a little bit confusing. So I looked back at John, John 13, uh, 34 and 35. Jesus was speaking to the disciples at the Last Supper, and he said, A new command that I give you, love one another, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So, a new command that I give you. So, in verse 9, Paul is helping us to understand that when we show love to other people, the law is completed in us. Now, Jesus came to fulfill the law, but we're an extension of that here on this earth. We are still fulfilling the law of loving other people. That new command. So when we are loving others, we are fulfilling the law. But sadly, we can never really love each other perfectly. Our abilities to love one another are impacted by the sinfulness of this world. And even though we can continue to grow in our love as we mature in our faith, it's never going to reach that pinnacle of what Jesus was able to show us. But as we go through uh, this process of sanctification, we are given the ability to be able to love more and love better every day. And I think that that's what our goal needs to be. Looking back at this day and saying, okay, I did the best that I could, but tomorrow I'm going to do better. I'm going to show more love every day to every person that's around me but as we consider the lordship of jesus christ and the fact that through sanctification we'll become more like him there are a few things that are foundational that we need to understand particularly when it's concerning the topic of love so first and this is another one of the uh things that is on your bulletin The Bible tells us that we are able to love because God first loved us. It's important that we remember that. John explains that we should love one another because love is from God. He goes on to say that whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this love that God showed us, God sent his only son into the world to be savior of the world. So 1 John 4 helps us to understand that God is the origin of love and the source of love. And those who truly love, know, and love God. Now, we might encounter people out in the world who love, who show the the attributes of love. But if we know that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be able to love perfectly, what we're seeing there is somewhat of a facade. It's it's not true love. Apart from ourselves, or apart from the Holy Spirit, living in ourselves, we don't know how to love anybody but ourselves. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we're able to project that love to other people. And that's one of the things that we need to remember as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. So if we claim to be followers of God, if we, we will love God with all our being and love others more than we love ourselves. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. Second... The essential part of the character of God is love. Everything that he has created, everything that he does, everything that he communicates and everything that he has provided for us stems from his love. His love is so astounding that when he created, uh, created us out of his love, he created us with the ability to love others. That's one of the things that attributes that he passed along to us. Again, sadly, our ability to love changed during the fall of Adam and Eve, but the ability that we had at creation that Adam and Eve had was pure and undefiled love for God and For each other. I I I sit and think about this. Can you imagine that undefiled love that Adam and Eve had for each other before the fall? The focus that they had on God and then the ability to love each other is just in my mind right now unthinkable. After the fall, that love became defiled by sin, of course, and and it became a selfish love. It became an inward focus love, a love that no longer loved God, truly loved God, or truly loved other people. So I mentioned before that God is the source of love and the origin of love, and He is the one who first loved us. And He gives us the ability to be able to love others and to understand what love is. This means that all true love comes from Him. And one of the things that I help people to understand as I'm doing counseling, sometimes premarital counseling or marriage counseling, is that love is not a feeling. I've heard some people come, some people come into counseling and say, I just don't feel the way I once felt. Or we've fallen out of love. Well, love is not a feeling. Love is an action. How do we know this? We get this from the example that God provides us in John 3.16. It tells us that God loved us so much that he gave us his son. And we read the same declaration in John 4. And this passage tells us that, God sent his only son into the world to be the savior of the world. So it's only an unexplainable and undeniable love, true love, that would make a sacrifice for that. So when we look back at Christ, we look back at the sacrifice that he made, we look what God did to give us that sacrifice, we get a clear picture of what love really is. So third, I want to read a couple of verses to start this off. But John, uh, Parks read this earlier, but we need to go over it one more time. John 14, 15 tells us that if we truly love Jesus, we'll keep his commands. In verse 21, it goes on to say, Whoever has my commands, commandments and keeps them, he is it who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And this isn't Judas Iscariot, this is the other Judas. And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the, father's who, but the Father who sent me. So the greatest evidence of our love for Christ is when we show obedience to his word to the commands that he gives us. And remember, he gave us a new command through the disciples. He said, love one another. We've read in the Bible today several of his commands regarding how we're to love one another. We've read read that Jesus ushered in that new command. And we know that the greatest command that we have is to love God with all of our being And we know that we're to love others sacrificially. And by obeying these words with the help of the Holy Spirit, because it takes the help of the Holy Spirit to do it to this degree, we keep our focus on serving the king. And remember, as sojourners and exiles here in another kingdom, we're pointing back to that kingdom that we're a part of. We serve our king, and we have the ability to be able to love and provide care for them. As we show the, the ability to be able to love and care for others, we're pointing back to our king. We're showing that we belong to Jesus as we show love. So very quickly, I want to speak to verses 11 through 14. Here Paul is reminding the Romans about the importance of living ethically because of God's impending return. Because we know that Christ will return to take us home, we have a responsibility to live according to his commands. And again, what is the greatest command? Love God with all our hearts. Love other people more than we love ourselves. We know that when he returns that he will hold us accountable for our conduct as well as our spiritual condition. Matthew 25 tells us that. So therefore, we have to remain diligent, always ready for his return, obeying his commands to us here on this earth. And the commandments from our king are clear. We're to live each day with an undeniable love for God as we love him with all of our being and everything that we say, with everything we think, everything that we do, we're given the ability with the help of the Holy Spirit to live honorably with other people in this world, with those people who don't belong to our kingdom yet. We are showing others who we belong to and we're showing others the path out of this world and into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. What a great honor we have to be able to do that. So if we're loving others as we should, that love will fulfill the laws that were given in the Ten Commandments. We know that if we're loving others, we're not going to murder another. We're not going to covet another's possessions as sacrificial love all overwhelms all desires to cre- create any harm for another person. And that kind of love only focuses on good. That kind of love seeks peace in all interactions with others, whether they're believers and unbelievers. Join me as we pray. Father God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you for the fact that you have first loved us and you give us that ability to be able to love other people. And I say here first in the church that we grow in our love for one another. You've blessed us. You've given us the ability to be able to love one another sacrificially, but we can do better. And Father, as we love one another, help us to reach others within the community. Give us that ability to be able to love them and show them your kingdom. You're a mighty God. You're a great God. We praise you and we thank you for the blessings that you have given us. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the fact that he has given his life for ours. What an undeniable, show of love help us to show other people that 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 love father thank you we praise you we love you in jesus holy and precious name amen